It's time for 41 is the Mike, a weekly Chiefs podcast with Nick Jacobs of KSHB 41 and Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. 41 is the Mike starts now. Welcome, everyone, to the Super Bowl championship edition of 41 is the Mike. I am Matt Derrick with Chiefs Digest alongside... KSHB 41, Nick Jacobs, otherwise known as Lombardi Trophy Enthusiast, Nick Jacobs. Nick, you got a big smile on your face. How you feeling? Hey, I'm I'm going to be stunned for quite some time with what they accomplished here in this postseason. Like, <clears throat> that was the toughest road they, I think, they've gone through in their playoff, in any of their playoff runs. And, and, and like, you know, and, and Mahomes was healthy through the entire thing. He didn't have, you know, he didn't have a potential concussion. He wasn't going through concussion protocol. He didn't have a high ankle sprain. There was, there was nothing. And, and like, they just, they just willed themselves through from wild card to Super Bowl overtime victory and just found a way. And when you look at that team on paper, they had deficiencies, a receiver, you had deficiencies at running back, you had deficiencies in various different spots but they just found a way each and every week and went through the top dogs of the AFC, no matter what anybody says. I mean, the Ravens, the bills and the dolphins were the best of the best of the AFC, in my opinion. And they took them all down week by week. And then they got to take on who, uh, who showcased in the super bowl that they were the best in the NFC and the 49ers and that they had more talent on their offense than what the chiefs did. And the Chiefs just found a way. Down 10 yet again, still found a way, still willed themselves to a victory. I'm I'm just in awe because I mean for MVS to have, you know, to have the the playoffs that he did to where he had the two big catches in Buffalo. Then he had the game winner in, in Baltimore. And then to have the touchdown that kind of helped create the spark tonight as a part of that puzzle. And then for McCole Hardman had the big 54 yard catch and then have the game winning touchdown. Like <clears throat> Andy Reid and that coaching staff just sticking with them throughout the season and still giving them opportunities. It's just all of it paid off. And I'm, I just, <clears throat> I don't know, watching, watching Patrick Mahomes there after they won there at the end and over time, I just saw a guy that was relieved. I saw a guy that, that went through it all and, and just, got through the the 12 rounds and was just like man that was the toughest 12th rounds i've been through gave it everything i had and wow like just just the way he kind of fell there at the end and just kind of took a moment and just took that breath so i I, i'm i'm like i said man i'm amazed i'm in awe because i mean where they were in december where they were in november and various points during the season part of those things popped up in the game, you know, with the fumbles and the penalties and some of that stuff, part of the regular season chiefs popped up the lack of focus at times, but they just found a way and just dug in and just, just got it done and showed that postseason experience that we all expect from them. I, that's, that's what I can say off the top, Matt. I'm just saying like, this to me was one, this was the one of the most impressive runs that, I've ever seen and she's and, and I mean I know it's gonna happen because it's just like you know, just like clockwork. Fans are the Chiefs are gonna go through a patch next year 
Fans are going to be doubting it yet again, and they're going to be talking about Veach did this wrong in the roster, did that wrong in the roster. But, like, they just won back-to-back. Went out there and won back-to-back titles. And I'll, I'll go into, into that a little bit more later, but I've taken up way too much time, and I want you to have the floor, sir, because you, <laughs> I will say, this is unique because it's the first time you and I are doing a podcast in two different time zones. So, I mean, that's it a big is, deal. It's it? the first time on 41 is the mic. I'm just saying. And, I mean, at least at least the way that we're recording this, everybody, you know, we're at least on the same day. So yeah. it could have been, yeah. you know, <laughs> it could have still been Sunday, but we're we're both on Monday time now. So uh, I, I had a lot of the same thoughts, Nick. I mean, I have to say, I mean, it, especially talking about Mahomes, the uh, just the the relief on his face and you could just see in his body. I mean, he he left it all out there. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that game, I mean, you could just see, you know, just kind of all of the frustrations from this season and then all of the just the adversity just kind of draining out of him. And I mean, because there's no doubt. I mean, even even though this defense deserves a, such a tremendous amount of credit for this whole season for the Super Bowl victory, mm-hmm. I mean, we can have a whole conversation about that. I mean, never giving up more than 27 points in a game. I mean, this defense was just absolutely incredible the entire season. But at the, at, I mean, at the at the biggest moment of the year, in the biggest game of the year, Mahomes was the one who had to put this team on his back at the key moments and get it done. And the guy does it. And... I mean, I I mean, I think these last four games are not just the maybe the best four games that Mahomes has ever played, um, but it's it just maybe I mean maybe the best stretch of football anybody's played. Um, the numbers were gl- were glossier today than they had been. I mean, he goes over three hundred yards. There were some big numbers there, obviously, but just the fact that. Patrick Mahomes just played four games that I I don't think that he put a single ball in harm's way. I mean, the decision-making was perfect, and that throw to McCole Hardman, I think, might have been the best throw of his career. I mean, when you when you take into consideration the, just the location, the time, the place, the stage, everything, I mean, he just absolutely dropped that ball on the exact centimeter of the field that McCole Hardman was and where it needed to go. I mean... Uh, just what Mahomes did in these last four games and what he did today, just absolutely impressive to me. Um, I, it, you're right. I mean, this this team, they we went into December, and I expected them that to be the time when they they flipped the switch, and they didn't. I mean, they did not wake up until January. It was not until that Raiders game that on Christmas Day and that loss that obviously was the wake up call that they needed. But this six game winning streak to end the season. Uh, this was this was a this was a special team. I don't know if you necessarily call them a team of destiny. I don't know if that's the kind of terminology that we should use, but um, this I, I'm I'm speechless after seeing what this team did the other day to win that game the way that they did. Walk, I mean, Nick, it was a walk off overtime win. That's like you read about in you know books, and you know you you see in movies. It's not supposed to happen in real life. Yeah, and, and like here's what's the coolest thing about it in, in the grand scheme of it is every single guy on that team is now a legend. No matter what they did, no matter what happens, 
Like, you know, most of those guys aren't going to get into the Hall of Fame like Patrick Mahomes will or Andy Reid will or Travis Kelsey will. But for the rest of time that they're humans on this earth and there's football um, and people can keep their memories, all that combined, like, they're they're going to be they're immortalized from from now till the end of time because they were only the third team in the or fourth team depending because the way I like to do this like you can you can bring all the others before the free agency era I don't like to because you know you didn't you didn't have to deal with the same complications that the Dallas Cowboys did in the early nineties or the, or, you know, or the Broncos did, you know, during that free agency era, or the Patriots did in you know, in the free agency era as well. So, I mean, for me, the chiefs are the fourth team to do it in the hardest part of football, where you're going to lose people on a regular basis and you're going to be outbid financially sometimes, or you just can't pay a player because the valuation that you have on them is different than, the team that's going to pay him three times that. And so to go out there and do that from, from, from now on, every single one of those players, no matter what type of career they have, they were a part of the team that won it back to back, whether, you know, Drew Tranquil will always be a guy that was on the back to back team, no matter what happens, he has that. Now the question I have down the road here is going to be from players around the league, how many of them are willing to buy in to come here on a cheap contract because you know where the chiefs are going to get to now, or are they still going to go out there and just go chase the money? Because this season right here, if this doesn't tell the other NFL players around the league that like, Hey, you come here, you're going to have a shot. Look what they did with the wide receiver group. That was one of the worst in the league. And still those, those wide receivers will themselves to help in some of the biggest moments. Imagine what you could do. Or if you're, you know, if you're at another position, imagine what you could do. Look what Drew Tranquil did. One, you know, won his first playoff game. It's his first AFC championship. Won his first Super Bowl. Like, you know, and Mike Edwards won, you know, won his second. And like Donovan Smith came here and won another one. So like, it's just like, that's what I'm curious to kind of see down the road here is does this wake some players up to the fact that like, whoa, they've been to six consecutive AFC championships and they've done this maybe a championship and having that opportunity to be on that stage. Maybe that's a little bit more important now because of having, being able to work with 15. That's what I'm curious to see if, if some players start to kind of change a little bit on that, because I don't know what, I don't know what else the chiefs can prove that they're going to be in a position. If, if the right players are healthy to be able to potentially give guys opportunities to chase rings. And if you've got a a general manager who continues to get Steve Spagnuolo the kind of players that he needs to fit his defense and keep this system going, because it's clear that right now they've got a groove as far as you know the players who are in this system, the way that they're working with Spagnuolo, and they hey they've got some things to work out because they got some free agents and there's things to work out for sure, but. I mean, Travis Kelsey said it, you know, as far as the speech that he gave to, gave to the team last night. There's a formula. This team's got a formula. Mm-hmm. And it's a winning formula. What they were able to do 
it, it, to me, I mean, it's it really is remarkable. And like you said, I mean, the the number of guys. I mean, McCall Hartman's a three time world champion now, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty cool. And and, and I should have mentioned this, you know, the, uh, earlier as well. I mean, the the redemption of this this game, you know, to me. And especially a guy like McCool, who, you know, goes to New York, gets the contract, a little, little bit of a contract, and is hoping to make it big, doesn't work out, comes back, and makes the biggest play of the game, biggest play of the season, gets the redemption after all this, the, all the, the turmoil he went through for the fumble. You know, I mean, just as an MVS, too. I mean, a terrible, you know, hard season for him, and that he comes up in the playoffs consistently with the big play. I mean, those are two great examples. I mean, if you are, you know, become a, if you're, hey, even if you're mid season and you become a player that needs a new home because maybe things aren't working out, see if you can't find your way to Kansas City because <laughs> Kansas City can make things work for people. And they will take a chance on you. And not only will they take a chance on you, but they'll keep working with you and continue to believe in you. I think that's what I hope players kind of take away from this. Like, hey, they didn't sway away from NBS. They didn't put him on the bench, you know. McColl, even after he had issues here and there, like you said, still had two of the biggest plays in his career on the biggest stage. And, like, it, it just, I don't know. I just, I'm kind of, I'm really intrigued to see what players do this offseason that are going to be potential free agents and how many are willing to take a little bit of a discount financially for the chance to be a part of a, because I mean, now the chiefs, they're going to try to go for a three-peat, try to be the first team to ever do a three-peat. And, you know, and like, if you get the right guys in there, everybody stays healthy. It's not, it's not out of the realm right now. And I should, excuse me, man, I should not be able to say that in any way, shape or form. Like that shouldn't be reality to me. That shouldn't be realistic. And it is. And that's what's crazy to me. And what's even crazier to me is these are supposed to be the Chiefs' two bad years. They're supposed to supposed to figure out how to get by without Tyreek. How are they going to make it happen? How are they going to, you know, how are they going to do it without him? Because they don't have him to lean on anymore. And they just won back-to-back Super Bowls. Like, if he's on this roster, what, what would they have done with him? You know? <laughs> like, a, I don't know. I mean, that just that's just great. And then you see Tyreek kind of tweet some stuff out, and he does kind of admit in a couple spots, yeah, you know, it's kind of, you know, I'm happy for him, but it's a bummer to see. And so it just like, I I don't know, man. And like, I'm, I'm going to be amazed for months on end. But I mean, at the end of the day, it goes back to Red Beach, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, a lot of those guys that are a part of that pillar that have made this all kind of come together and work in the way that it does. Like they just, they are just this steady course and steady ship that just find a way to be able to get this done. And then that radiates down to their position coaches, to the players and to everybody on staff and everybody is able to stay even keel and just battle their way through to get to January and then just turn on a switch. Cause man, Bengals are supposed to take the Chiefs down. The Bills are supposed to take the Chiefs down. Ravens are supposed to take the Chiefs down. And if you couldn't do it in the past two years, whatever they, you know, what are you going to do if they have like, if they, if they upgrade a receiver and running back in some other spots and have an offense again there, you're like, uh oh. 
Yeah. I um, feel like the Ravens and the 49ers both may have missed their shots here because there'll probably be people looking back at this one and saying, hey, this was supposed to be the 49ers Super Bowl, and they didn't get it. Some people say that, hey, the, the Chiefs maybe stole the, the Ravens Super Bowl because, you know, in 2019, because the Ravens bowed out early. Maybe that was that was, maybe that was supposed to be the one they were supposed to win. But Chiefs have three of them now, Nick. They do. I'm... Now, this did not look like it was going to be number three for, at several points in this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you ever lose faith, Nick? Was there any point where you thought, uh-oh, this is it. It's not going to happen today. I mean, I'm always a pessimist, no matter what. Chiefs could be up by Chiefs could be up by twenty, and I'm like, man, I don't know. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, but no, I mean, like, until it was going to get to the fourth quarter with like three minutes left, or maybe you know five to three to five minutes left, and the Chiefs were down by like something like seventeen. I'm just like, I don't know, man. Maybe the defense gets a turnover here. Maybe Trey McDuffie has that pick six that Peter Schrager is predicting. You know, I kept looking for that there towards the end. Like, hey, it's still in play. Still in play right now. Um, but, like, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. It, um, I I felt like the, the moment, though, that really turned the spark on and really flipped the switch for the Chiefs was whenever McLeod fumbled that punt. Like, that's when the lightning bolt hit. And that's when that Chiefs team just turned it on on offense and defense. And we're just relentless at that point because that was the jolt that they needed. And that was the energy that they needed. And when that moment happened, boom, the powder keg was lit. And I knew at that point, I was like, all right, it's on now, man. Like there's, here's the ball game. Everybody's been wanting to see now. Yeah. I mean, because the chiefs had just gone three and out, punt the football away. You're thinking, okay, well, this is, it's, it's, it's settling into a little routine here. The 49ers are up. I mean, this is, it certainly at that point looked grim and that was absolutely gold. And and so after the three and out, Mahomes gets to go back out there. One play Marquez touchdown. And now you get a whole new ball game. And that, and that just set up to me. I mean, I know there's some, been some other great fourth quarters in Super Bowl history, but this was, this was a special one. The way that these two teams slugged themselves, but slugged it back and forth in in the fourth quarter and the overtime period. I mean, this was basically a half of football between the 15 minutes of the fourth quarter and the 1457 of overtime. Um, it was basically a half of football that these two teams just went toe to toe. And it was absolutely a, a, th- a thrill to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cause I mean, first half, like the chiefs, just the, the uncharacteristic mistakes they had made in the postseason. You saw the regular season Chiefs, but like postseason Chiefs, you're like, boy, this is uncharacteristic. They look a little, a little rattled. Don't have as much focus as you'd think they have in this moment. After some, if you heard about some of the speeches that allegedly leaked out from the team meeting the night before, and you know, and then kind of is how they handled the week and everything, and you know, just didn't the Chiefs look like the team that was on the Super Bowl stage for the first time versus the Niners? But then, like I said, that punt changed changed the game. And it, uh, it it turned it all around at that point. So, yeah, I uh, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm gonna be in awe for a while. Like, I mean, there's only so many words I'm gonna have. But I, I think above all else, like what really makes me pumped about this is for Andy Reid 
because now he's on he's on a new a new era. Uh, he's on a new upper echelon of NFL coaches that have won three or more Super Bowls. Because there were a lot of talented guys that were tied with two, but like he's now it's now him, Joe Gibbs, and Bill Walsh. And then you know you throw in Chuck Knoll and Bill Belichick because Belichick's at six, Knoll's at four, and then Joe Gibbs, Bill Walsh, and Andy Reid are tied at three. And what I think so cool about that is the fact that Andy's running Bill Walsh's system, you know, for the most part, the West Coast system with you know variations here and there, and then Kyle Shanahan's running variations of Bill Walsh's system, and Bill Walsh, you know, made that thing in the '80s, and it's still, you know, it got both teams there for you know for the Super Bowl. And it's working for both teams, and it's just variations of it. It's just cool to see. But for Andy to now be tied with Bill Walsh, I just kind of feel like, and I know it's going to sound weird, but in a way, I feel like for Andy, it can now be like that nod that, hey, I use Bill Walsh's system. I I got it to uh, to this level, especially with the quarterback that, that he has, and got it to this, this certain mastery in this era to where now – he may not admit it. He may never ever say it, but I feel like Andy can be, I feel like Andy should be considered on an equal plane with Bill Walsh now because of how successful he's been in conference championships, Super Bowl appearances. Now he's got the same ability, you know, the same number of Super Bowls and whatever he does from here. I just, I just feel like it just, it keeps adding him to a higher level to where if he can get to Noel and then if he can get right there, you know, in between Belichick and Noel, and I hope he does. And if he doesn't, who cares? But like just getting to this one for like him and, and for Patrick, I just feel like it puts, it just puts them on a whole different level. And for a lot of those guys on the roster, it for guys that need to be able to lock in that hall of fame, it helps every single one of them lock in that hall of fame with their legendary performances. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned that, I mean, Andy, with his ring from Green Bay, now has four Super Bowl rings, which puts him in some pretty distinct company. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's also worth noting that Chiefs have a couple of assistants who are in rarefied air now. Because Brendan Daly has got six rings now. He has three with the Chiefs. He had three with New England. There's only three people alive. Well, actually, Neil Dolan might be passed away. I I shouldn't say that. There's only three people. Actually, he's still alive, so I apologize. I'm not. I'm not trying to, to bury the man before to, to prematurely, Nick. But there's only three people with more Super Bowl rings than Brendan Daly, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and Neil Dolan, who was uh, executive with the 49ers and with the Broncos. Um, that's remarkable. He's got, he has as many rings now as Robert Kraft. Yeah, and then and then you add into the mix. I mean, we're Dave Merritt should be pretty close now. And then Steve Dave Merritt has five. And Steve Spagnuolo yes. should be close now, too. In that ballpark. I, yeah. So I mean, like you're getting I keep giving point. No, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I keep giving I keep I keep giving Spags an extra ring because I always think that he was there for the the Giants second Super Bowl. Um so he's got four because he was he's got three with the Chiefs and then one one with the Giants. But Dave Merritt's got five because he was there for both of the, the giant Super Bowls. So he is in, and there are, I think there's 18, yes, 18 people have five. And Brenda Daly is one of 15 people that has six. So that's that's pretty rare company for both those guys. Yeah, and, and, and now you're getting to that point in 
the Chiefs era right now to where you're like, hey, how many, how many assist? You know, where does that put some of those assistant coaches? Like the question you asked in the Q and A that was really good about Steve Spagnuolo in terms of like being Hall of Fame coordinator and that type of stuff. I've been thinking about that all weekend now, and I'm like, you know, like I mean. You know, if you get that many rings as a position or a coordinator like that, that does deserve some potential recognition in, in, in that uh, in that realm or its own little category. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, and, and like you said, I mean, and, and we have to consider the fact Chiefs aren't done yet. I mean, they could still have more to come, and we'll see who's a part of it. But it, it really, I mean, this is absolutely a historic streak. I mean, there's absolutely, I mean, pinch yourself, Chiefs fans. I'm telling you, I mean, it's not always, it's not that's guaranteed to always be like this. Right. Um, but it's absolutely. I mean, I I think we're both having trouble really putting it into words because we we, we I mean, I you're still a Chiefs fan. I'm. I kind of have to distance myself in my role as a, as a as a writer and a reporter. That I have to kind of distance myself a little bit and be more objective. So I can't really consider myself a fan in the way that I was when I was a kid. But you know, for the you know little little Matthew who grew up watching the Marv Levy Chiefs, <laughs> never dreamed in a mad million world million years that this would happen to my team. Yeah, I. I'm just saying, man, what they did this year was unreal. How they did it and how, how they got to that point and how they made it happen. Like just just unreal, man. Took a just the chemistry they had to have and the belief they had to have in one another and to not turn on each other, point fingers at any point. And then now what the national media is gonna have to do in terms of backpedaling and even though they've written the Chiefs for Dead two years in a row now at various points and everything, like I I don't know what else the I don't know what else the Chiefs need to do for people to quit doubting them, no matter what's on paper. Like if if you, I just don't. I mean, there's going to be certain injuries that if they happen, then yeah, they, they have problems and may not go well. But like, I, I don't know. I don't know what else the Chiefs can do for. I, I think it's just obviously people are fatigued at a national scale and want new storylines to talk about and new things. But like, I mean, like at the end of the day, Burrow hasn't. Burrow, Lamar, Josh Allen haven't won any Super Bowls. Mahomes won three. Like the Chiefs are, the Chiefs have now become the 49ers' nightmare. Like, yeah. You know, and, and they've become the AFC West nightmare now. And two of those Super Bowls were, were without who people considered the key part of the Chiefs' offense in Tyreek Hill. And so, like, I mean, I, I, AFC, I mean, look, they've, They've got their work cut out for them, and it's just I, I feel in some ways I feel a little bit bad for Brett Veach because now he's at a point where like he can't really have with how high expectations are always going to be now with Mahomes and how everybody thinks that she's need to be fourteen and you know three or better every year and things like that that like he just they don't have much room for error. And trying to keep a roster at that level or that pace, you there's so much pressure to have to hit on draft picks. So much pressure to have to hit on so many draft picks to be able to kind of maintain that from a cost perspective. And like the Chiefs front office, man, and coaching staff, they've they're always gonna have their work cut out for them. But hey, they've earned that right with what they've done. So hey, yeah. they get like you said, and like you said, Travis Kelsey said, 
they've got a they've got a plan they got a path and if they can if they can keep uh doing what they're doing in terms of hitting singles doubles or whatever you want to use a baseball analogy wise like they're going to keep finding themselves in positions of success and i think that should terrify a lot of teams in the nfl right now because i i just don't know if the patriots whenever i keep thinking back to some of the patriots runs i just don't know if the patriots kind of had teams roster wise that had some of these issues because like the chiefs you know they had issues Tonight, they had issues tackling in space at times. They had issues with the run game. Had issues being able to get open against the zone coverage that the 49ers were throwing at them. Had issues in pass protection. But still found a way in the race to 24 or more and got there score-wise yet again. Yeah, well, and that's the thing that's remarkable to me is that, you know, the way that this team just continues to break the NFL, I mean, 10-point deficit is nothing to this team. They have come back from 10-point deficits in all three of their Super Bowl wins. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to find it here because I think our good friend Josh Briscoe had tweeted it out, and I was trying – I think I quoted it back to him, and I wanted to make sure if I could get it right. And it could have been somebody else, and maybe maybe crediting him inappropriately. But I, I, I thought it it was a stat that said that Patrick Mahomes in this playoff history went down by seven or more points is nine and two. And the next best really performance by anybody in those situations when facing a deficit of seven or more points in the postseason is Tom Brady, who was 10 and 11. I mean, that's just ridiculous that because normally you go down by seven, you go down by 10, especially in the postseason, you're done. I mean, you just don't make those kind of comebacks. And yet the Chiefs have, and under Mahomes have just been able to do it routinely. And that's just not what teams do. I mean, this yeah. is, I mean, amazing. And, and it was made easier this time to a certain degree, of course, because even though it felt like Mahomes, to me, to a degree, did it all on, on Sunday against the 49ers, I think it's worth noting Chiefs don't win this game if not for two things. One, the defense absolutely came up with key plays at key times on multiple occasions and really bailed out this team. I mean, there were some turnover situations. There were some field position situations that this defense got it done. And, and opening up the second half and forcing the 49ers to three straight three and outs was huge. But don't make make no mistake, Chiefs also don't win this game without their special teams because Harrison Butker was nails. Harrison Butker, frankly, Nick, I mean, we're probably going to start talking about Harrison Butker's Hall of Fame resume at some point. Because he's putting one together, and especially in the fact that he's already the all-time leader in postseason field goals. <laughs> he's got plenty of time to go still. Nah. But you get that. You get have Butker with the big day. The blocked extra point obviously was huge. They came close to blocking that field goal in the first half as well. Um, and then the fact that you know, hey, Richie James had a couple of rough moments, but nothing that cost them. Whereas conversely, 49ers had a rough moment that cost them big time. I mean, the Chiefs special teams, it wasn't perfect. I'd probably give them an A minus just because Richie James had some adventures that could have they could have done without. Yeah. But 
compared to the 49ers, I mean, 49ers, I think you'd almost have to give them maybe I give, I maybe I might give them a C minus because kicker had a good day, but I mean, special teams was a huge difference maker in this game too. Well, I mean, Richie James made me nervous every time on his fielding. <laughs> so I, I'm going to be harsher on on the grade. Him, but, but here's what I'll, I'll say. The, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to give him benefit for holding on to the football when Chris Conley, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure face masked him to the ground. But Yeah, you can do that. But I will say, boy, I, I tell you what, there was, there was a part of me at some times without Chris Conley was just dominating on special teams there. On back to back to back, where he fielded the one and got him down there, and then he did this and that. That was a man on a mission to prove that he felt like the Chiefs made a mistake in in one of the two times they got rid of him. Um, like he he was a man determined, and like I, part of me kind of wondering, like, man, is he gonna be the guy who kind of turns this game? He was especially from he a was field put together place. an MVP performance at one point. Yeah, <laughs> and then luckily, you know, the Chiefs were able to. You know, Chiefs were able to chief, as we'd call it, and uh, be able to figure it out and be able to be resilient and come back. And like I, yeah, no, it uh, that that block was huge. It, it was huge, and you know, and, and, but that's you know, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it just consistency is big, and I mean, at least this, but the Chiefs special teams was consistent. That yeah. was a big part of it. even even. And last year, you know, obviously the Canadarius Tony return was a big one. Um, they had some big plays this year. It wasn't necessarily the big plays, but it was just the consistent plays. I mean, Harrison Bucker obviously four field goals was consistent. Um, I I. I I do, I do, I do find some amusement at least, but you know that um, what I, I don't remember who had the record for the longest uh, Super Bowl field goal until today. Uh, well, I believe um, it was but, Chris Steve from the Bills. Like it was there 50, you go. It was Christy from there the Bills. There you go, Steve. Steve Christy, right? Fifty-four, I think, and then and then yeah, then I got broke twice today. <laughs> got broke twice today. Yes, because <laughs> that's rough when when a record has been out there for 30 years and then you break it and you only get to hold the record for a little less than two hours. Yeah. That was that was that was Jake Moody's day. I mean, he he, he hold, gets the record that had been sitting there for 30 years. He holds it for less than two hours before Harrison Butcher snakes it away from him. That's that's rough. I mean, at least he can say he held the record. Yes, exactly. <laughs> It's like that birthday cake. At least you tried. <laughs> I, I am curious about what you think about this because I, I I actually feel bad for Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. I mean, not that you wanted him to win, but <laughs> I feel yeah. bad for him because, you know, and we talked about this the other night, mm. you know, I mean, his reputation coming into this game was about blowing the leads in the postseason. And his team blows another lead in the postseason. I mean, you can't help but not feel for the, for a guy like that. Um, I'm also, and, and I I don't I don't think that Andy. I mean, Andy Reid would not feel this way, but I I feel like that if there's one thing that Andy Reid does come out of this though, and this kind of leads to your 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 legacy about you know and, and Bill Walsh and the West Coast offense and everything like that. Andy doesn't talk about it, but I do think that he has a little bit of a rivalry, not between himself and like the Shanahan system, but I think he feels a little rivalry about the Holmgren 
mm-hmm. tree and system versus the Shanahan wing of the West Coast offense. Yeah. And so beating Kyle, I think for Andy, probably just another feather in the cap for Mike Holmgren and his 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 offshoot of the of the West Coast. Yeah. Like SEC, it just means more. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, any parting thoughts, Nick? I mean in I'm trying to think about what what else we what else we could we could talk about out of this one. I mean, it's I mean, this was a game to me. I mean, was it the was it the greatest Super Bowl ever? Might not be. Is it the top three or five? I mean, I would absolutely put it in that category. Uh, I mean, just as far as a pure inter- entertainment value. I mean, I I thought it was a really good game all the way through. I mean, there were some sloppy moments for sure, but that fourth quarter in overtime was absolutely worth the price of admission. Yeah, it's just I I think what kind of surprised me today is even though the Chiefs had already won two before, like it was just I was just as anxious watching the game today as I was the first time the Chiefs went to a Super Bowl. And I wasn't expecting that. But part of me, I, I guess I built it up over the past two weeks is I knew what a Super Bowl win would mean from a back to back perspective, what it would mean for Mahomes trying to really establish himself as one of the greatest quarterbacks in general and what it would mean for Andy Reid and the work that Andy Reid's put in over 25 plus years as a head coach and even longer than that as an assistant coach in the NFL and also as a college coach and just how much he put in and how many sacrifices he made over three, three and a half, maybe four decades at this point to be able to have these moments to be able to have these opportunities. Like at the end of the day, that's personally for me, that's who I wanted it for. Cause you and I kind of, we don't get to see it on a day in day out basis, but we do get glimpses of it and how much work goes into putting a roster together or coaching a team or putting a team together and just the things they go through, whether it's in the front office or head coaching or players and just the sacrifices that get made across the board. So to see that pay off for all of them, you're you're obviously happy for each and every one of them and everybody over there at the Chiefs uh, front office or business office or, you know, whatever part of the division that they're a part of. So it just, hey, it's the golden era of Chiefs football and there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, you know, at this point, the Andy Reid Mahomes era is bigger than the Hank Stram Lynn Dawson era. And then, you know, even though Marty had a lot of consistency, they only went to one AFC championship and like just this decade under, under Andy Reed at this point, like it, it's just, it's just been fascinating to watch and to know that it's, it may not, it may not be over, but we'll, you know, you and I over the next weeks ahead, we'll obviously talk about 2024 problems as I call them. But all I can say to anybody, man, just enjoy. Take the week to enjoy what what this is, and just how much you invest in your time and energy as a Chiefs fan or just somebody that loves football to be able to kind of watch some of the greatness that's happened, and to be able to kind of watch this Chiefs team just kind of be in its own era and have it where you know <laughs> multiple AFC West teams or fan bases are frustrated and the Chiefs are the villain at this point and everybody's going to be rooting against the chiefs, just like they're the Yankees or the Patriots. And like, you know, it's just like, or the giants, maybe, I don't know. Um, and Alabama from a college perspective of football, <laughs> um, you keep adding to the list, but you know, like just 
just I, I just feel like sometimes Chiefs fans have constantly chased what it's going to take to win that sometimes they forget in the moment when the, the team that they love has won that they don't take the time to just look around and, and, and kind of soak it all in as a fan and just appreciate that. And don't worry about who the third receiver is going to be right now, or don't worry about how are they going to fill these, you know, four to five holes. Just enjoy the week. You've been chasing this level of wanting a homegrown quarterback. You've been chasing wanting a franchise, this stable. You've been chasing wanting to see championship winning football. Just, just enjoy the moment. Just enjoy this because there's going to be a point where this isn't going to be normal again. This isn't going to be the routine. And a lot of Kansas City fans are going to know that from a Royals perspective. You know, so, I mean, just enjoy it. Just just accept, like, what this, what this time is and how the stars have all aligned. And it's all working out right now and hope they can align a little bit longer to be able to let Mahomes <laughs> chase Brady. And if the 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 ice cream sundae that you had today of a Chiefs Super Bowl win wasn't enough, you can you can put a little whipped cream on top, Nick, by remembering and knowing that Patrick Mahomes has now passed John Elway for the most passing yards in postseason history. He's now eighth eighth on the list and has passed Elway. And if he gets one touchdown pass next year, he will pass Peyton Manning. For fifth place on the list for most touchdown passes in postseason history. Oh, by the way, so I he... love the fact that John Elway had to bring the trophy up through the Chiefs as they're celebrating Super Bowl. <laughs> that, was, that was that was fun. And and lastly, the thing I didn't even think about because just in the just the whirlwind it's been since that the Chiefs winning Super Bowl Fifty Eight, you know, with the Derek Thomas thing, and for anybody that's known. What Alan Wright, the you know the head equipment manager, what he did every year to where him and Derek would point that you know the fighter jet that is uh, was a model similar to what his dad flew in uh, I believe Vietnam and point it to the direction of where the Super Bowl is each year for for them to, for them to get Super Bowl Fifty Eight and how much the number fifty eight means. To Kansas City, that that among itself, I, ju- I just think is just such a such a such a cool thing, man. That like it's forever Super Bowl Fifty Eight, and that number of what Derek meant can be tied to Chiefs greatness and Chiefs success in such a historic moment to where they went back to back, and to know that like you know it just I don't know, man. It's just super cool, and you know it just like. Matt, I, I don't know if I have many more words to be able to say, but it's also almost four in the morning when we're taping this. So part of that may just be that, you know, we know both need a hard reboot on our day by sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am with you. It, it is it is nice that the Chiefs can own the number 58. It's there's I don't think there's any better place in NFL history for the number 58 to, to rest with than with the Chiefs. That is absolutely poetic. Um We've got a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about in the off season. I mean, there's a lot of things that were going on. We need to, you know, once you get, you know, like you said, enjoy this one, celebrate yeah. this one, enjoy it. You got a parade on Wednesday. That's right. And, and then we can start having fun by talking off season. 
That's right. there's obviously a lot of things that are going to be going on in this organization, not just uh, uh, you know the players on the roster. There's going to be a lot of other things that are going on, and uh, Nick and I want to be your Sherpas through the whole thing. So <laughs> <laughs> Let us be your football Sherpas in the offseason. That's right. We've got a lot of great plans, a lot of fun things that we're going to be talking about and just breaking everything down for you. So, um, I mean, as much as I have enjoyed this season, Nick, and it has been a blast doing this podcast with you, I am also excited beyond belief for the offseason because I know we're just going to continue to have even more fun. Yeah, but it'll be like we can pace ourselves better <laughs> on that to where it's not <laughs> not like running on a treadmill at 20 miles an hour from Ju- July until February. You mean you're saying that we can record our uh, off-season podcast at like you know the middle of the afternoon? Uh, yeah, the sun may still time be out and, for him. It'll be exciting, and, and and not four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, the sun will still be out. It'll be amazing, man. It'll be very confusing, but also very uplifting. Um, and like you said about the parade coverage, I'll I'll remind everybody: KSHB 41. We're gonna have parade coverage. Coverage will technically start at 4:30 in the morning because the morning shows, but it is gonna go. Uh, throughout the entire parade and the parade will be especially starts at, I believe at 11 AM. So whether you're out of town or not, KSHB 41, you'll be able to watch the parade coverage. And I believe I'll double check, but I think I'll, I'll post on Twitter if we're going to be able to stream it or not, not definitively sure. So I don't want to say hundred percent if you're in another state or in another country listening to this and kind of wondering if you'll be able to watch it, even if you can't make it to Kansas city. So I uh yeah, I'm looking forward to looking forward to seeing what's gonna happen with this parade because every parade's been unique and different. Um, because I know for from my perspective, the first one of my homes is tossing the football with fans and everything. <laughs> that one was funny. And then uh and then the the one this past year, whenever you know, we had our uh we had the uh jib arm up in the air, and then Mahomes just puts his finger up like E. T. and just kinda you know, point at the camera and then uh, Justin Reed having the big moment when he's talking to the jib and everything on our thing look like a, and then as soon as he gets done, hands the microphone, turns back around and walks off. And it looks like the end of a movie with credits and everything going, just some, just some cool legendary shots that we had last year. And, you know, I mean, we'll be inside the, uh, we'll be inside with the parade going on inside with the tour buses and everything. So, you know, it's, you know, we're the official broadcast partner for the parade i believe um from tv perspective and i I don't remember what the title is i better look up the title matt but if you got any final parting words you do that while i remember what the official title is hey i was gonna say you you guys do the absolute best parade coverage it is always fantastic every year and we can say that now because this will be the third year (laughs) you get to do it yeah and you guys absolutely knock that coverage out of the park so that's that's the that's the broadcast i'm always watching yeah um so the official broadcaster, and we're also the home of the Chiefs. So I'm just saying, it'll be. Know, I'm just telling you, we're 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 very familiar with how to attack it, and how to go about it, and how to get the proper uh, bandwidth to be able to do some of those live shots because everybody had to learn from the Royals parade back in 2014 with you know the fact that there were so many cell phones all around each other and it made it a little tougher back then. <laughs> Well, and I, I can only hope that maybe you'll you can see a TV's Mick Schaefer doing karate during the, <laughs> the parade coverage. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know he will be out there. Uh, but yes, no, for people that didn't get to see the Q&A, please check out the Q&A this past week. 
that uh, Matt, whenever Matt was in Vegas and I was in in the office after we had just gotten Mick and I just got done doing Road to Vegas, Mick uh, Mick made his appearance on the live stream and also was practicing his karate moves behind the live stream. I may need to make a gif of that and and then, you know, obviously, um, you know, apologize later before asking for permission from Mick to make a gif of it. But (laughs) Oh, he won't care, I promise you. He he enjoyed doing it. Well, everybody, we uh, can't tell you how much we appreciate you coming along for this season. It has been absolutely remarkable. Um, This team, I don't even know what to say. It is just one of a kind. And following them along has been absolutely a pleasure. And we're going to keep on doing it. So on behalf of myself and Nick, have a great week. Enjoy this week. Enjoy the parade. And we're going to be back at you soon on your stream with some off-season coverage. I bid you adieu! (laughs) You've been listening to 41 is the Mic, presented by KSHB 41, your home of the Chiefs and Chiefs Digest.